0: The Talmud delves into the psychology of the generation of the dispersion, the Dor Haflaga. It offers an in depth perspective on how man confronts his fears. Some approaches are more adaptive than others. So, this is a Gemara in Mesechet Sanhedrin, Daf Kuf Tet, Ahmed Aleph, and it reads as follows Dor Haflaga, Ein Lahem Chelek, La'ulam haba. So the generation, this is based on a Mishnah, which appears on Kufsayan, I bet, but the generation of the dispersion does not have a share in the world to come. My Avud, so what was it that they did to deserve this? Amri deve Rabbi Shilo, so the Beit Midrash of Rabbi Shila said the following, Nivne Migdal, Vinale Lirakiyah. So they they said let us build a tower and we'll go up to the firmament or the heavens, and we will hit the sky with axes, Zuvu Mi in order that its waters will flow. So that was the first uh, first explanation here. Mahahu Allah Bimarava so they laughed at this in the West, so meaning the sages of Eretz Yisrael felt that this was a, an erroneous uh, approach. Imkain, if this were the case, if they wanted to go up and hit the, hit the sky, no echad batura. They should have built the tower on a mountain higher up. But we know from the Pesukim that they actually built it in a valley. So they take a different approach. Amar Rabbi Yirmiah Bar Elazar. So Rabbi Yirmiah, the son of Elazar, says, Nechaku Lashalosh Kitot. They were divided into three different factions. Achat Omeret, Na'alev, and Sham. One faction said, Let us go up to the top of the tower and live there. Achat Omeret, Na'alev, and Na'avod Avodat Kochavim. One said, Let us go up and we'll worship idols there. Achat Omeret, and one said, Na'alev let us go up there and we'll make war. Zo Na Na'alev v'ne'eshev sham, the faction that said we should go up and live there, hefitzam Hashem, Hashem dispersed them. And the pasuk continues, alp'nei arts on the face of the land. and the one that said, let us go up and wage war, Vinaasu. Uh, he turned them into monkeys to some sort of spirit or demons and female demons show merit avodat and the faction that said let us go up and worship idols hashem safat hashem confused their language on the uh, on the land, they can no longer communicate with one another. So this is indeed a strange gemara. A uh, number of questions are, are come up. What was the first approach offered by the school of, uh, of Rebbe Shelah? And the gemara does bring it down. But why was it laughed at by the sages in the West? What was so ridiculous about it? What was the flaw in that approach that the approach of the sages of the West, Rebbe yermia adequately addressed. Further, what's the idea behind each of these factions? That needs a little bit more explanation. And how is Hashem's response to each of these factions fitting? So I'd like to try and address some of these questions among others. The generation of the dispersion, the Dor HaFla immediately followed the generation of the flood, the Dor HaMabul. One need not be Sigmund Freud to see that this generation was responding to a sense of insecurity by building a big tower following the annihilation of human life on earth. The sages are discussing the different approaches to interpreting their actions. The first approach offered by the school of Rabbi Sheila suggests the generation of the dispersion responded to the flood by trying to control nature they built a tower to give them mastery over the heavens and the rain. The erroneous attempt at security aimed to deny God's ultimate control over the world. It may be hard to accept, but if Hashem wishes to destroy the world, there is nothing that man can do about it. So that's the first approach of Rabbi uh, school. The sage of the West laughed at this approach. If one wants to interpret the actions of this generation In such practical terms, they should have built a tower on top of a mountain, not in a valley. Their actions must instead be interpreted in psychological terms. Rabbi Yirmiya subdivides the intentions of this generation into three groups. I think it is notable, too, that for a major human endeavor like this, there need not be exactly the same objectives for everybody involved, but there could be multiple objectives for which this particular endeavor checks the box, so to speak. So let's go ahead and try to understand each of the groups. The first group wanted to live at the top of the tower. They wished to distance themselves from the challenges of reality on Earth. Sometimes a different view can lead to a new perspective. The view from a plane could bring about a sense of humility, to see humanity and nature at a different scale. But this skyscraper was not built out of humility but out of a desire to escape the insecurities of life on earth. Hashem's response was, Umisham hefitzam Hashem, alpne From there, he scattered them on the face of the earth. They were, they were returned to the face of the earth, the face of the land, forcing them to encounter and face the natural insecurities in the human condition. This would be healthier for their development than simply distancing themselves and spending their life in a tower. So that's the approach of the first group. The second group wanted to worship idols at the top of the tower. The question here is why go through all the trouble of building a tower to worship idols? Why not worship idols on the ground? Idol worship is always a primitive outlet born out of a desire for control. A sacrifice or offering is made to this or that god in order to bring about rain or sun To secure something one fears is out of one's control. It is a form of escape from the hard work, challenges, and insecurity accompanying the avenues for progress available to us. It assumes the rules of reality are patterned after our own making, as opposed to recognizing that within certain limits, we can indeed dictate certain aspects of our own reality. A large tower gives significance to otherwise ephemeral activities. An imposing cathedral gives apparent weightiness to the activities being conducted inside. The edifice signals the importance of the enterprise. Judaism never took this approach to the worship of the heart. As Rav Soloveitchik states in one of his letters responding to a a situation related to an interfaith, the the potential of an interfaith Sanctuary on a college campus. He said, quote, Many halakhic scholars insisted upon the utmost simplicity of the synagogue and disapproved of elaborate ornaments in general. I believe I've heard him uh, say elsewhere that really the synagogue by design was supposed to be simple. Our houses of worship are simple and straightforward. It is the content of our prayers and the reading of the Torah, for example, that must be awe inspiring. It's not about the building. Interpersonal communication can be an avenue towards shared meaning. We can draw each other's attention to new ideas and perspectives, new heights that we might not be able to reach independently. We can create a community that mutually reinforces our shared values. But if our community structures draw us away from reality, they undermine the purpose of a social community. The response from Hashem was that, The social community of the generation of the dispersion was disrupted so that they could no longer understand one another. They would not complete a community structure designed to corrupt the community and lead it astray. There's some different opinions about whether or not the disruption was a natural process or required divine intervention, but nonetheless, the result is the same. So that's the second group that wished to use the tower to worship idols. The third group wanted to use the tower to make war. They intended to use the tower for strategic advantage in order to conquer and dominate others. They responded to the sense of insecurity brought about by the flood by pursuing a relative sense of security vis-a-vis others. They may not be able to control nature, but they could conquer and control others, putting them in a relatively better position than their fellow. This is a form of denying the natural insecurity of the human condition through distraction, focusing on creating a sense of security and superiority relative to those around us. Man did not evolve to merely dominate his fellow in the manner which one group of animals completes and dominates over another. If this is how the generation would use their uniquely human capabilities, Hashem took them a step back in evolution returning turning them to the animal kingdom, or turning them into subhuman beings or forces. You can see Rashi describes, for example, that one of the types of uh, demons was uh, something that had the form of a human being, it would eat and drink like a human being, but lacked in humanity. Again, you can see Rashi or other places in the Gemara for further details on these descriptions, but I'm drawing from there this basic idea that they are subhuman forces. They don't, uh, they don't rise to the height and the capability of the human being. If man pursues power over others as a way to escape his own insecurity, he is to be dethroned and displaced from his position of dominion and strength atop of the world. So that's the basic explanation of the three approaches that the dor uh, ha-flaga, the generation of the dispersion, their reactions to the flood that wiped out uh, humanity tanya now the gemar brings down an additional brighta rabbi omer kulam l'shem avodat kochavim nitkavnu so rabbi Nathan said all of them intended to worship idols hacha. It says here, Na'aselan shame. that was at the beginning of the uh, chapter. It said they wanted to make a name for themselves. Ukhtiv hatam, and it said later, Vishem Elohim Achirim Lotuskir. And the name of other gods you should not mention. This is a pasuk from uh, Shemot in uh, Chaf Gimel, Yud Gimel. So, what about over there? They were talking about Avodat Kochavim in Shemot, Afkan also here in our case, Avodat kohavim. It's talking about idol worship. So Rabbi Nathan, interestingly, he mentions the three factions, so he's not disagreeing that there are these three approaches, but he nonetheless maintains that underlying all these attempts lies a primitive desire to control the world and nature. So if you really want to talk about the root of each of these factions, it comes down to a desire for zarah, denying God and denying the way the world works. Hagamar continues and says, Amar Yochanan, Migdal, out of this tower, Shalish Nisraf, Shalish Nivla, Shalish uh, Kayam." So Yochanan says, the uppermost third of the tower was burned, the lowermost third of the tower was swallowed into the earth, and the middle third remained intact. So I'm going to base this on the Maharsha for how each of these connect, but he as the halakhic approach to objects of idol worship is that they're burned. So one third of the tower was burned. Hashem responded to Korach's desire for power over others by having the ground swallow him up. Both the primitive and the lust for power must be obliterated. And that's the, uh, that's the, the two, two out of the thirds. But man's desire to distance himself from the challenges of reality is understandable. Sometimes it can feel overwhelming. That approach, that strong desire to escape reality can be rehabilitated. That third of the tower remained intact. The Gemara continues and says, Amar aver Migdal Meshakeach. So the air of the tower causes one to forget. Amar Yosef, Bavel, Vorsif, Simon Ralatora. Bavel and Borsif are both a uh, bad sign for uh, for Torah, bad news for Torah. My Borsif, what is a Borsif? Amar um, Rabbi Asi, Bor shafe, Basically, an empty, an empty pit. So what are we supposed to learn from this idea that the air, so to speak, of the tower is uh, bad news for, for learning? What do we take away from that? So the Gemara concludes by telling us that the methods of coping with insecurity employed by the generation of the dispersion were maladaptive. Furthermore, they undermine intellectual development. Even knowledge previously gained will be emptied, so to speak, if escapism, primitivism, or dominion over others becomes one's primary focus. A person's sense of their insecurity can lead to greater awareness of man's precarious position on earth. It can serve as a prompt to more wisely use our limited time and resources. Man must face reality, accept his limitations, and use his interactions with others to embrace our shared humanity and together confront the human condition, as precarious as it may be.